Good evening and welcome to Tuesday Night Live. Thank you for joining in and being a part with us. My, I'm so excited about this evening and having you to be a part of our time together. I do want to tell you we're going to be quite different than we normally are on Tuesday nights. Normally I'm ministering or I have a guest with me and we're talking about world events. Well, I'd say in some situations we're still going to be talking about world events, but actually my wife and I are celebrating March the 31st, 60 years of marriage. March the 31st, which is just a couple of days away, March the 31st, we will be celebrating our 60th anniversary. That's a long time to be married and I'm grateful it has been a wonderful marriage. I have my wife, my beautiful and lovely wife, Sharon, with me, and also uh, my associate, David Carpenter, who is going to be interviewing us and talking to us. So here we go. Let's get started. Uh, uh, where do we begin? I am very excited about talking to the two of you. As I've come to know you and work with you in your ministry, you're both just absolutely incredible people. 60 years, I would think you would be like and have a bad mood all the time. <laughs> you, you aren't. I mean, I'm just continually amazed. So we're going to get started right in with questions. There have been people that have talked about some of these questions and would like to know what it is well, that we're I do doing. Want to say, I do want to say I'm nervous because I don't know what you're going to ask us. Well, you know, when you preach, we never know what you're going to, who's going to feel guilty either. So it's time about fair play. All right. Pastor Sharon, I have a question for you. Where did the two of you first meet? Well, we met in Niagara Falls, Ontario, Canada, being that's where I was from. And he was the evangelist at our church, and it was Lombard Christian Center. And so that's how we first met. He was the guest evangelist at our church. So what was your impression of him when you first uh, saw him up there? I was not real impressed with him when I first saw him. <laughs> now, why were you not impressed with him? What was? Well, he looked a little different than what I was used to. Uh, he had a little string bow tie on, looked like a cowboy uh, coming to Canada. And so that's uh, what he looked like. And I thought he was uh, a bit arrogant. So first impression was strange. So first impressions can be a positive thing and even a positive thing when it's negative, that's right? right? That's right. You know, right. I mean, anybody that looks like the Colonel Sanders from Kentucky Fried Chicken, <laughs> I mean, that's that's a winner. Uh, Pastor, I want to ask you, what attracted you to each other? Well, when I walked on the stage that night, you know, the church was relatively full, and um, there was these two girls sitting probably about three-quarters back in the building, and um, one had very dark uh, black hair. The other one was sort of brown hair. And when I looked, I was stunned. And, but automatically, my eyes just went straight and focused upon Sharon. And so when I, when I looked at her, I was, just, um, I was just mesmerized and didn't realize there's anybody else in the <laughs> congregation. And so, you know, she had this hairdo uh, back, it was called Jackie Kennedy style, and you know, she she had it teased up, and it was real high, and then it curled in the back, and 
I don't think I'd ever seen anybody to me that, that was that beautiful. And so I, I, I don't know what happened the rest of the service, to tell you the truth. <laughs> well, it sounds like you found somebody really good. I think we, my next question you've already answered is what attracted you to each other? Well, she's beautiful, and <laughs> you saw Colonel Sanders' bow tie. So we'll go on to the next question. Where was your first date? Do you remember, Pastor Sharon? Yes, we went to A&W Root Beer. Now, mind you, this is right in the middle of winter. <laughs> and we went to A&W Root Beer and had a root beer. Now, is that when you had to roll down the window? Yes, we did. And they put nice. the tray on the window. In the middle of January. In, in the, the middle of January. Nice. The windows were all frosted <laughs> up, but that was our first date. That's incredible. Where would you go on other dates, Pastor, that you can remember? Well, the main places we got to go to was some of her relatives' home. Um, mainly, we didn't get to go much. I mean, occasionally, because I was preaching every night, you know, somewhere. And so um, after, after the services, they'd either be at her uncle's house or somebody else's house, and they'd have meals there. And uh, so we really didn't do a lot of dating, but occasionally I'd have a night off, and uh, we would go to Buffalo, New York, which was about 30 or 40 miles away to a restaurant. Or, you know, we would just drive around and she would show me some of the sites in Niagara Falls. And there's plenty of them. And, of course, you know, as it got dark, you know, uh, that made it much easier when it got darker. <laughs> nice. I, I would imagine all those dates with her family, you were being sized up, honestly. But, very uh, much. Uh, yeah, very much. Well, apparently he passed if 60 years later. Um, how old were you, Pastor Sharon, when you first dated? Um, dated pastor or just dating? Dating pastor. Oh, that's right. You had a long history of people prior. Uh, no, yeah. <laughs> dating pastor died. 17 years old. 17. 17. So when you were with your family at these dates after church, yeah. were they kind of sizing it up and wondering that you were young? And, or oh, that yeah. Kind of... I come from an Italian background, and so a lot of them would be talking Italian, uh, sizing him up and discussing him, and he didn't know, have a clue what, <laughs> what they, they were, were talking about. And you knew exactly what they were yes. saying. <laughs> That's hilarious. Were you uncomfortable a little bit, Pastor? Well, of course I was, because they was talking Italian, and you know, I talk redneck. <laughs> <laughs> I was a redneck from Tennessee, and so, you know, I'd never... And, of course, you know, their accent when they spoke English was much different than mine because I don't even know that I had an English accent, <laughs> to tell you the truth, at the time. But I was real redneck, and when they was talking Italian, I was looking back and forth, and I thought, what in the world? I guess they're talking about me, and consequently, and they were. they probably were. They were. they were. Okay, so, Pastor Sharon, you were 17. How yes. old were you, Pastor Don? Well, I was 19. I was all of 19 years of age. Wow, 17 and 19. And both of us have birthdays in January. So both of us had just turned, I just had turned 17. And well, when he first got there, he wasn't even 19. And I wasn't 17 because he came before our birthdays. The truth is out, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I'm dealing with a couple of illegals. <laughs> Call the troops. Did your parents feel that was too young, either of you? Um, my parents More did. so his parents than my parents. Mm -hmm. Oh, her mother, her mother fell in love with me right away, you know. And 
I thought, man, this is wonderful. Now, her dad, that, that's a different story. He was a little leery. He was a little yeah. leery. And that's probably pretty much yeah. par for a lot of relationships. But, um, you know, right away, she, when we started going to each other's houses or the, her house or the, her, her relatives, um, and then she liked my preaching, and she liked me from the start for some reason, and, of course, you know, um, that was a blessing for me because it certainly gave me um, it gave me a easy way to to uh, <laughs> ask her to go with me places, sure. and her mother was not reluctant to do that. Well, I think maybe what I'm wondering is since you attended that that was your church, yes, correct? it was our church. So you were it was already an evangelical Pentecostal yes. type mm -hmm. church. So it wasn't that you had you saw an, an experience something different that you had seen oh, before. Oh no. No, because okay. it was evangelical church. Awesome. And that's how you, that was how you were raised as well, Pastor. Oh yes, right? I was raised very Pentecostal. So you didn't have to deal with the issues of different denominations and mixing any of that stuff. No. No, just uh, different culture. culture. She was yeah. she was Italian and I was red. Right. <laughs> the big beautiful Jackie O'Hare or the Colonel Sanders tie. I gotcha. All right. How long was your engagement, Pastor Sharon? Uh, about two and a half months. What? Not not, not even. even not even two and a half months. Okay, what I'm picking up on you are you you've just turned 17. You weren't even 19 yet. And two and a half months, you were, that was your engagement, and then you got married after yes. that? Yes, we did. Okay, I'm going to ask well, a question actually, that's on everybody's mind, but nobody will ask. Were you pregnant? Oh, no. <laughs> okay. Mercy. It was not a shotgun wedding. Was it not? No shotguns involved? No. Well, I guess, I guess it, it was Well, actually, David, actually what happened was I had a friend that traveled with me, and he wound up dating her her uh, cousin that she was sitting beside and um, so we would double date a lot of times and so sometimes I'd let him drive so I could sit in the back seat with her which was fun and um, hey, ladies and gentlemen it just went to rated PG-13 <laughs> <laughs> I've got another question for you Pastor Don did you ask Pastor Sharon's dad if you could marry her and if you did how did you do it and how did that little conversation go? Well, actually, actually, I did ask him. Um, I asked him if um, I could marry her. But, you know, I pretty much knew the answer before I asked because the mother-in-law, my mother-in-law, was already knew that um, we were planning or talking about getting married. So when she 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 was for it already, so she sort of prepared the way for me to ask him. So I was nervous, but when I went to ask him, uh, he was very kind, very gentleman, and um, I said to him, um, Mr. Coulter, um, I, I, I'm in love with your wife, your daughter Sharon, and and I'd like to marry her. And he just looked at me, and he had real beady eyes, and he just looked at me for a little while, and then he smiled, and and uh, he said, well, I guess it'll be all right. So that's all I needed, but I was nervous when I did it. No doubt, no doubt. How did you feel, Pastor Sharon, knowing that your dad had approved? Was that just a... Well, that was a relief that my dad approved, because mm -hmm. all, all young girls want their dad's approval when uh, someone asked 
them for their hand in marriage. And so that made me feel good that my dad was in agreement along with my mother. My mother just loved him right off the bat. And that helps. How many siblings in your family? I had three brothers. Pastor? Oh, I had um, seven uh, siblings, but you know, I was the eighth. Well, I was not the baby, but or the last one, but uh, there was eight of us all together. Sounds like you were ready to get on out on the road. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. What was the first decision that the two of you made together after you were married? It was that first night we got married. Yes. Um, good question. Thank you for asking that question. We went to, you know, we had a we had a relatively big wedding in, in the church and typical Italian typical wedding. Italian yeah, mm -hmm. yep, yes. typical Italian restaurant and then a um, uh, big reception yeah. and it was all Italian and of course her father was a chef and he had prepared oh I mean it was tables and tables of food any kind of food you want Italian food it went on and on and so there were a lot of uh, people there bringing, and the Italians, you know, really get into the reception and they bring gifts. And my mother-in-law said, uh, make sure you bring them money instead of gifts. So, so everybody brought an envelope of money. That is wonderful. Those that are wondering about marriage and what you should do, <laughs> give money, give money, tithe and give money. You know, the to your, yeah, the best <laughs> gift ever. Absolutely. Well, our first decision was when we got married, had the reception, and then she went back and changed clothes at her mama's home. We we were so young, we didn't know about making reservations and all of that, so we drove just to pass Buffalo, New York, some somewhere in that neighborhood. I don't know, there's a little rinky-dinky motel, and uh, I stopped and went in and got a a room and you know thank god we don't have to stay in anything like that anymore and i don't think she'd ever <laughs> stayed in a hotel like their motel before but we went in the first decision we made together we got down on our knees david and we prayed and we said we would always love each other we'd always love god yes. we'll put god first in our life secondly we would always love each other and then thirdly, we would be a tither and a giver. So that was, we made this decision yeah. together. That was actually a covenant that we made with each other. And both of you were in agreement with yes. that? Yes, yes we were. That's beautiful. What was it like, Pastor Sharon, leaving your home and marrying a preacher? Well, it was uh, quite different for me. Uh, I'd never really been away from home that much, just turning 17, been a... Uh, to Detroit and New York City, but as far as um, being married to uh, an evangelist and traveling all over, when I was thinking about it, it was a little scary, but I loved him so much I was willing to do whatever and follow him wherever he went. Were there surprises along the way and you're like, I didn't know this is how this happened, or did you just flow? Very much. Uh, a lot of surprises in our life. Um, I did know I lived in a fishbowl where everybody saw everything we did. You, you said you did not know that I you did not know. Okay. And uh, there was a lot of expectations on people for us on the, what we should do. And so we were met with a lot. Of, I was met with a lot of first-time things. He had already traveled some uh, before we met. So it was brand new to me. And 
very hard at times. So the term unsolicited advice, you know what that is? Very much so. <laughs> um, so what would happen during those times? I think maybe this happens with a lot of uh, couples, regardless of oh, yes. what kind of marriage. It, and it might be more so for the man than the woman or the woman meant the same kind of yeah. thing. What advice can you give to anyone that's watching that may be experiencing that type of thing? Well, I think be careful of how you uh, give advice. Uh, a lot of the ways people would talk to me made me very insecure that I didn't feel like I was enough. And so uh, I think that's one of the things that people need to be watchful of, of how you're telling someone what they should do or should not do, is uh, don't be condescending to them. One of the things, David, that I'd like to add right there, Sharon didn't talk much. She, she just was not a person to talk much. And of course, this redneck here, that's all I did was talk. I preached, <laughs> so I talked. And so, you know, we'd be riding down the road sometimes and uh, she, she would not have much to say. And so I'd just talk to myself, you know, and she'd, that would make her laugh when I'd talk to myself. But anyway, in the meetings, she was shy. Uh, and being newlywed and not used to people coming up to her and I didn't know to her. how you how an evangelist wife was supposed to act sure you there was no example no. for you to see at that point no. no and and one of the things too you know I think most people have an expectation of the evangelist well the evangelist wife has got to play the keyboard or the piano back at called back in then the organ or you got to sing or y'all got to sing together so what do well, you do well people would come up to me and well what do you do because they expected me to play the organ or piano and sing. Sure. And what I was said, your answer? I'm his wife. That's wonderful. That was your first ministry. Yes. Yeah. How did you feel about that? Well, it was fine with me because I knew that going in. I didn't need a piano player. I didn't need an organist. I didn't need a soloist or somebody to sing. I just needed or wanted a wife, and so God gave me a wife. And so I think it intimidated her because um, looking back, it intimidated her because here she was mm -hmm. in an environment that she was not familiar with. And so as she, she tried to answer that question, uh, people would say, oh, you know, and um, uh, <laughs> that, that just sort of put her uneasy when someone would say, you don't play the piano or nothing. No, I'm just his wife. So that, that I was happy, and she would tell me that after church, and I would say to her, don't worry about it. Uh, sure. It's not. And then, you know, again, after a while, she started taking organ lessons. Serious? <laughs> Seriously. I did not know this. I need an organ on Sunday. Believe me, you wouldn't want me to play. <laughs> well, that's just good information to know. Ladies and gentlemen, this is, the show is over. I've got what I needed. Um, uh, but, you know, it was short-lived. I said, yeah. you know what? I'm not living up to the expectations of people. I'm living up to my own. That's wonderful. And you were able to be what Pastor Don yeah. needed. Yeah. Evangelist Clowers at the time, He just I needed a wife. He didn't need an organist. Right. 
uh, one that was of age. Oh, yes. <laughs> At least in certain counties. And then uh, God did, as our ministry grew, you know, of course, the, the organist and soloist Absolutely. and all of God that. God provided. Uh, praise God, right? <laughs> yes. Thank the Lord for the piano player. Um, but, the, but let me go back to sure. her taking lessons. <laughs> she only did that out of people asking her that oh, question. And again, you know, I, I would listen to her practice sometimes, and she, you know, started out with skip, skip, skip to Maloo. <laughs> nice. I, and you're trying to put words to it. From uh, Well, maybe this leads to the next question. When did you have your first argument? <laughs> maybe that was, it was around the piano. Around the organ. Around the organ, yeah. Well, we were, um, we were in a meeting in uh, Huntington, West Virginia, and uh, I have no idea what started it, but, you know, um, it wasn't really much of an argument because she wouldn't talk. She wouldn't argue with me. Of course, you know, I like to argue. I like to say, I like to talk, and she wasn't a talker, and so whatever it was, I have no idea what it was about, but then she just clammed up. I mean, she would not talk, and so I thought, hmm. I'll give you a dose of your own medicine. So you put the silent treatment on her? I did the silent treatment too. Oh my goodness. You know? What I'm learning now is that they play games with each other. Uh, <laughs> uh, and that happens. It happens. it happens. How, how did that make you feel, Pastor Sherry? Well, I just thought, well, see, who's going to win? <laughs> <laughs> and I had the question, who won well, most of the time? Well, uh, uh, this went on for three days. That's all right. I mean, it went the on the third for, inning stretch. Yeah, the, I mean, you know, we'd drive the church, and that would be. I mean, we we was staying in this little mobile unit, you know, that we got and uh, rented, and so it wasn't a hotel. And I don't even remember what we did about meals. I know we ate out a lot, but I remember when I was drive. Uh, you know, I had a '57 Chevrolet and had glass packs on it, and I had it all customized. And so I, my car, I think, might have been. May, made her what start liking me. I don't know. Uh, maybe. <laughs> a pretty car. Well, Absolutely. There's got to be something. Yeah, got to be something. God, bow tie, or, uh, or something. the car. Or the car. Uh, you did right. <laughs> Pastor Don, what was the greatest learning curve for you after marriage? Well, through that little argument and thing that lasted three days, I was the first to apologize because I was in there praying and the Lord just really dealt with me. So you're the most spiritual, you're saying? I wouldn't say I'm the most spiritual, <laughs> but I said that I, I realized that my greatest learning curve was to respect her and honor her when I didn't get my way. And I think that was the first step in our marriage is for me to learn how to respect her and honor her, even though I, I disapproved of something she said or did. Sure. Pastor Sharon, same question for you. What was your biggest learning curve? Um, he said it very well that, you know, you don't have to get your way all the time. And it boils down to respect. And it's like even today, we don't have a clue what the argument was even about. So it was probably something stupid. And uh, But we, we have learned to respect each other. And we don't do the silent treatments anymore. After that, we really never did. Because we saw it going nowhere. And both of us were just miserable for three days. Oh, absolutely. How long were you all married before you had your first child? And when you had the child, did it change 
or how did it change in your home and in your ministry? Well, it changed a lot because we were traveling. Uh, we were uh, married 10 months, 11 months. 11 months when Tammy was born. And so uh, I stayed, uh, I went up at my mom's to have the baby. And after she was just a few weeks old, well, we hit the road traveling again. And so it was very difficult traveling with a newborn. She was how old? She was, uh, well, she was, uh, we were married 11 months when she was born. And when she was six weeks old. In the weeks, you had her in the in car the weeks, taking her to the... had her in the car with a little travel bed, and wow. we hit the road. And David, back then, they didn't have the diapers they have now. No disposable um, diapers. No disposable so diapers. So would you just hold her outside of the car <laughs> while you drove? Let her air <laughs> out. Absolutely. Or you stick yours and give the pastor Don. Here you go, Tammy. That is something. And then formula was different, too. Oh. And, and that was a real chore of trying to keep formula in the car and traveling. And sometimes we would be traveling 800 to 1,000 miles between meetings. Yeah. How many? 800, 800 to 1,000 miles between meetings. Wow. Was Tammy a good baby, be able to sleep? Actually, or just... she was. Uh, now, she wasn't a sleeper. Okay. Tammy did not sleep. She was one of these babies that was awake all the time. She wore me down. <laughs> uh, but she... Um, but she, she was a good she, traveler, but she sure, just didn't sleep sure. a lot. She actually lost down to 85 pounds when um, when when Tammy after was born. Tammy was born, and we was doing all the traveling, and Tammy didn't sleep, and and you know we we didn't have money to get the kind of hotels that I wanted to give her and places to stay, and and so I remember one time we were traveling, I think from Florida to Canada. And uh, we stopped in this tourist home in Virginia somewhere mm -hmm. in the middle of the night. And a tourist home, you know, you didn't have its own bathroom. You had to go down the hall. And they were $5 a night, 3 or $5 a night back then. And so we stopped there. But about 2.30 or 3 o'clock, Tammy woke up, and the, the formula was all... It all curdled from the jogging in the car. And mm. so she didn't stop crying, and so we was waking up other people, and so we had to get up and get out and start traveling again. Wow. All right. I was going to ask what some of your challenges were in the early marriage. I think we just... That's a big <laughs> just, challenge. That's a big one. Uh, did either of you uh, take a secular job during this time? Uh, yeah, I did after we were married a few years. Well, I did first. You did first, that's right. Um, when we first got married, you know, um, here I was an evangelist, <laughs> and I did have meetings, but all at once, you know, the, the meetings stopped, and we were in Florida at the time. We'd been in meetings in Florida, and so I did first. I got a part-time job. I knew a Christian man there that owned a construction business, and so I'd never... I'd never driven trucks or bulldozers, and I didn't want to get a good job. Uh, I could have. Uh, I could have gotten a really good job. I knew a man there in the newspaper company uh, that offered me a really good job that was a be a career that I would have made a lot of money and wound up owning the, the business. But I didn't want to, to obligate myself to a good job, so I... I took a job in the construction job, driving trucks and bulldozers and stuff like that for a few weeks until a meeting opened up. And then you'd still pursue your meetings and 
and then you had the type of job you could leave the job and go and do your That's reading. the only way I'd take one because I okay. knew God was going to open yeah, the door sure. and make a way for us to go to the next place. And so I didn't want to tie myself down with a career and be a part-time preacher, which is okay. Sure. There's nothing wrong with that. How about you? Well, it was several years later. Uh, we hit a slump. And so I got a job at a bank. I was a bank teller, and he took a secular job. It was just for a little while. Mm -hmm. We just hit a slump in our marriage where we needed to get some money. Sure. We had four children and wow. uh, by then, and so we needed to provide for our children. Sure. You know, a lot of people think uh, with ministry couples, especially those that travel, that there's a certain amount of uh, glamorization to it or there's the crowd and and they get all the they get all the money and they have the coolest clothes and all of that kind of stuff but there's a real side to ministry that these are real people real situations they're going through and they carry the burden of that for the family but also the burden of wanting to minister to the people in in the um, congregations where they are is that a true statement yes very true well, David, I had a wonderful mother-in-law. She's in heaven now, but I had a wonderful mother-in-law. And sometimes, you know, <laughs> even traveling, the, the money would be be very little. And I'd send her home to her mother with one or two children. And when and, and, and again, I knew when she got home to be with her mother, she was in a safe environment. But then, you know, her mother had always bought her beautiful dresses, which I couldn't do after we got married. And so uh, a part of me sending her home, or not sending her, but she went, she went home was... I knew she'd get new clothes. <laughs> I knew the kids would get. So I never put up an argument. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, my sister used to always send her kids to my parents over a weekend and just somehow forgot those Sunday clothes, you know? And of course, you know, my parents were pastors. They weren't about to have that. Yeah. That was a pretty smart little thing there. Could you send him anywhere to get his no, bow tie changed? No, I couldn't changed? send him anywhere, but he quit using the bow tie. Wonderful. That was, And that's why they're married at 60 years. Went to a real tie. I went to a real tie. I want to ask, I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it, and then I'm, after I ask the question, I'm going to ask how you handle it. This is... Um, to you. Okay. Pastor Sharon, who is the neatest person? And I don't mean neat like cool and groovy. Neat like keeps everything neat. Well, I'd say me. Okay. <laughs> uh, I need the answer to that question. And I'd like to say now to Pastor Don, how do you work around that? And what are some kind of funny, it, I don't want to use the word <laughs> challenges, but some of the funny things about being married to someone who is very neat. And I suppose that was the way it was from the oh, beginning. Yes, yes. Okay. Well, you know, let me just. And we're not trying to say that you were sloppy, but you did wear that bow tie, you know. Well, tell uh, about your corner. Well, I, okay. <laughs> you gave him a corner? Well, no, he actually, created oh, one. <laughs> nice, nice. Actually, better folks. you know, my mother would spoil me, and she would always go pick up my dirty clothes. And then, and you know, there was other, I had two. Um, three other brothers, and, you know, we were all just boys, and we'd just take our stuff and dump it, you know, and where we, and my mother was so sweet, she'd come pick it up and take it. <laughs> well, I just expected her to pick up my dirty clothes and take it, and, and you know, we had to go to the laundromat back then, mm -hmm. and wherever we'd stay, I'd just take my clothes off and put them there, and <laughs> for a while, she was 
doing that. And after a while, I kept putting my dirty clothes there till I didn't have any more clothes. And uh, she come in there, and I said, "When are you going to wash my clothes?" She said, "When you bring them to the to, to when you bring them to the laundry basket." And I said, "Well, why don't you get them?" <laughs> And she said, well, that's not my job. She said, you know where the laundry basket is. And so, you know, I was a quick learner from then on. You know, I learned that, hey, my dirty clothes goes in the laundry basket or or the bag, wherever it happened to be if we were traveling. Yeah. You know, I looked to see where she was putting them in if we were traveling. <laughs> and so uh, I learned that, hey, I got to get my act together here or else I'm going to be Washing my, I'm, I'm right. going to be wearing dirty clothes or washing my own. That is funny. So her her being quiet definitely changed when it came to the area of your laundry corner. It was a big difference. Yeah, <laughs> I mean a big difference. You know, she would let me know real quick. You know, that, and, and even today, you know, uh, sometimes at my desk, I don't let it get real bad. But you know, every now and then I leave stuff out, and I come back in, and I'm thinking. Where did my stuff go? You know, or I'm drinking a glass of water and I sit it down or a cup of coffee or, you know, and I'm sitting there and I walk away. I come back in and my glass is gone or my cup is gone. And, you know, just just stuff disappears. I, I don't know. It just disappears because she wants order. Well, I think that's pretty good. Run a household of order, and, and if your glass disappears, just say a ghost did it. Go, the Holy Ghost. There you go. That's all right. Which one of the two of you are the most affectionate? I, I know you all as my pastors and people that in ministry, and I've been in your home, and it is very neat. People take off their shoes, um, which is good. Um, my concern about that is what if somebody has smelly feet? You know, they're not invited back, I think is how that goes. But uh, and thank goodness I've been invited back before, so that, that's good. But who's the most affectionate? And that, that can be physical or emotional or just whatever, just however you want to answer the question, Pastor Sharon. Well, he displays affection first, probably. Uh, more um, uh, showing affection first. Not that I'm not affectionate, but he shows it first. Well, I, I think she... I, I think he's more sentimental. I'll put it that way. He's more sentimental than I am. Well, that's because you throw everything out after a while, <laughs> and he's wanting to hold onto that shirt from 1964. That's why I don't want to keep things. <laughs> you, you know that old song, Sentimental Journey? There you go. Yeah. They're on a sentimental journey. Well, you know, I, the, my way of answering that question, I would say that... I probably am the first to show affection, but I think over the years um, it's equaled out now that yeah. probably she many times will come. I'll be walking in the kitchen or somewhere. She'll walk in and um, uh, embrace me and say something to me, give me a kiss or whatever. Or, you know, we'll just be sitting. I'm, I know yesterday we were in the house and I was at the kitchen doing something, and she was on the couch, and she said, I love you, Don Clowers. And, I mean, that's out of the clear blue. So I, I think it, it's equal it's now. It's yeah. But uh, I think I was the first, because I was the first one to make contact with her. She wouldn't have done it. You know, she would have let me leave town. But I wasn't about to leave town <laughs> without meeting that one, that girl. Well, since it was an evangelical, I've wondered this, and just didn't ever uh -huh. ask you, but since it was an evangelical church, Obviously, Pastor Sharon, you were 
you know, this was your church, your home church, and you've been involved in it, correct? Yes. And Pastor Don, you came in. So you had basically the same understanding. But how did you, Pastor Don, approach her? Because she's not a lady who came down and had a salvation relationship with God and then with you. So how did that, and, and you know, how did you stay appropriate in your ministry knowing that you wanted to meet the girl with the Jackie O'Hare in the back? Um, well, <laughs> you know, I was, I was, this redneck had pride, and as she said, I was a little cocky, and um, I remember I'd go back in the back at first, you know, I tried to be this famous evangelist, and so, but finally I wanted to meet her so badly, I mean, it was just, I was just craving inside to just speak to her and see if she'd speak back, so the next couple of nights I just would sort of stay around the platform a little bit and keep my eyes, see if she's leaving, you know, I'd keep looking out of the corner of my eyes. And I think she must have started liking it a little by then because she wasn't leaving right away. And so for two or three nights I stood around and so finally uh, after that I saw her back there and I made my way back. and and. Uh, I don't even remember my first words to her, but I come up with some line of some kind, you know, to, to get her attention, and, and she talked to me. And uh, I thought, ooh, this is wonderful. Maybe this is going to turn into something else, because I had my hopes up big time. Pastor Sharon, <laughs> is that your recollection of oh, how yeah. it happened? And did you really, you kind of were sweet on him, but you didn't know how to make the first move or, or what yeah, was your... I, you know, I was a little shy, so I didn't know how to make the first move, but uh, I was warming up to him. That's wonderful. But I didn't want him to know. Absolutely not. I mean, you know, it got to be hard to get. <laughs> Absolutely. So this is day number what of the revival? Or oh my goodness, that must was, have been 10 days or yeah, so before. It was almost two weeks. So yeah. about 10 days in is when you talked? Yeah. Yes. So I guess that's, if we're going to do a formula here, <laughs> you know, folks, 10 days in, you know, give them a call. All right, I've got another question. This will go with Pastor Sharon first. What was the first big unscheduled event that happened in your marriage? Well, the unscheduled event, very harmful event, was when uh, our daughter, Tammy, she was uh, six years old and she got hit by a car. And um, a lot of uh, you watching have heard the story. Um, she almost died and was given up. And that was the most, at the time, that was the most traumatic event that ever happened in our marriage. And both of us had to stand on the word. We had to uh, comfort each other. And so that was the most traumatic thing that ever happened to us at that time. How old was Tammy at the time? She was six years old. Just had started school. Pastor, how did you handle the situation? Well, that's a good question because I was, we were living in Chattanooga, Tennessee at the time, and I was in Fort Worth, Texas in a big tent meeting. By this time, my ministry had really grown and I had a big tent and a big crew that traveled with me and we were in Fort Worth, Texas. And she, we, it was in the afternoon and I was with my staff in a restaurant at the hotel, and I got an emergency. This was before cell phones. And so um, they come over the microphone and said, Reverend Clowers, you have a phone call. So I went to the phone. I'll try to make this as brief as possible. 
and she was on the other end of the line, and she was just devastated, and she told me what had happened. She said, you have to get home. I can't handle this, because she'd learned to handle a lot of stuff uh, on her own, but this one was so big. Well, I was in a state of shock <clears throat> and disbelief and looking at the mess she was in, bleeding from her head, and her uh, bone was sticking out of her leg, and so it was, I mean, I was in shock when and, I called him. And were the doctors, had you talked to doctors at that time? When I called him, yes. And were they giving you much hope? They weren't giving me much hope. They didn't know that she would live by the time he got got there from uh, his meeting. Mm. And how, how far was it for you to get to that place? Well, in Fort Worth to Tennessee, uh, they didn't have DFW, but my brother had a 68 Mustang, and we got a flight, and uh, I, he drove me from Fort Worth. I don't think that that, that car... <laughs> It was on, the needle was all the way to the right, all oh, the no way, doubt. him trying to get get there because he loved my wife and he loved my daughter. And so I got the plane at um, Love Field, flew to Atlanta, and from Atlanta in, and it was 2.30 in the morning, and that had been over 12 hours since the accident had happened. And so when I got there, she was she was just in shock, and, and it was... It was just unbelievable of what I saw, and she'd been looking at this, and so we just had to go out, and there was a little chapel there, and we began to pray and embrace each other, and that's one of the things that we've always been able to do, and I appreciate so much about sharing. <clears throat> Brings tears to my eyes almost, is because any time we had anything to happen, the first thing we knew to do, David, was pray and talk to God. We weren't just preachers in public and something else in private. What we were in private was what we are in public. And you've been in our home and you know that, but we Absolutely. prayed. Yeah, we did. And uh, through the whole process of time, it was a long, long period. It was over uh, about a year of her recovery, but we yeah. stood together and God brought her through and, and you know Tammy today. Tammy is involved in your ministry today. Yes. What a blessed, sweet, sweet girl. And uh, I know that it can't. a lot of people say you can judge the parents by their kids. Not always, you know, but uh, there is a turnaround that happens with children, I believe, of praying parents. And uh, it's wonderful to know Tammy. She's a sweetheart, healed whole, delivered, set free, you know, yes. from all of that. And what a blessing came from prayer. Um, with this, what... Um, well, I, don't, I guess I'll just jump into it because I, I, I know a lot of people know this about the Clowers, but this wasn't the first uh, introduction to something happening with the child. There was a third child that something traumatic happened to. Are y'all comfortable with sharing about that and how you handle that? Yes. 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 Okay, Pastor? Well, <clears throat> we were living in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and I had then scaled back some of the traveling a lot, and I pastored the church there in Chattanooga. We were getting ready to do what we called back then a big Chattanooga for Jesus. And our son, Jeffrey, who we'd had a private school in our, our uh, church as well, so he had just finished school, and we were getting ready to do this big conference downtown. And we were going to take a lot of the stuff out of our church building and use it in the PA system and use it in the conference. And um, 
uh, our son, Jeffrey, went under the stage. He, he asked my permission. He said, Dad, I want to go under the stage and see what it takes to get the microphone cords out. Because, you know, they plugged into the sure. stage. You, you remember how all right. that used to work. We've got wireless now. Right. But anyway, he went under there, and I went into a counseling session, and then she was and I busy. I was in the office working. She was, she was doing stuff on the computer, and we'd just bought a new one, you know, and so she was in a learning curve. Mm -hmm. And so I was in counseling, and so I said, yeah, you can go under there. We had no idea there was any danger or we wouldn't have allowed him to do that. And what had happened is the people that built the building never grounded the air conditioner. So when one broke, instead of it kicking the breaker, it put all the power on a on a air-conditioned duct. So when he went under the platform, he touched the air-conditioned duct with his skin, and so therefore it electrocuted him and took his life. Wow. How did you handle that, Pastor Sharon? Well, that was the most um, traumatic thing. No doubt. And uh, when uh, uh, they took him out from uh, under the platform, there was a, a little green room that we had, and I started praying, but, you know, in the back of my mind, I knew he was dead. Sure. And uh, so that was that was hard. It took it took a process of uh, getting through it. Uh, I wasn't mad at God, never blamed God or anything like that. But it was a process of getting through it. And you know, when you're walking through something, is the hardest time of your life when you're walking through something. And uh, walking through it was very difficult. For those that are watching this program tonight. This is a couple that have obviously been through um, great tragedy and great triumph. But Pastor Sharon, would you be able to just look in, into the camera? And I believe that there are people who are watching tonight. There's nothing like the love of a father, but there's something very, very special about the love of a mother. Uh, I think we saw that. Uh, as we know in scripture, Jesus and his mother, and even from the cross, that he wanted to make sure that his mother was taken care of. Um, if there's somebody that has a child, either they're just wayward, they have physical ailment, a death of a child they've not been able to get over, they blame God, how would you encourage a parent, especially a mother that may be watching tonight? Well, you know, um, through this, I've been able to encourage uh, a lot of women, a lot of mothers that have lost a child. And the biggest thing is you can't blame yourself. And I remember the morning of that I thought to myself, you know, I uh, said, well, maybe I should just let Jeff sleep. And so that haunted me for a long time. I blame myself. Why didn't you listen to that intuition and let your baby stay at home? And you would have had him. But you know what? I had to get over that. And so if anyone is out there today and you're blaming yourself, woulda, shoulda, coulda, you know, all that's in the past. What happened, happened. And you must go on with your life. It takes a while, but you have to go on with your life. You can't blame yourself. What happened, happened. And whatever you do, don't blame God. God didn't cause it. God didn't do it. One thing I never did was blame God or mad at God for what happened. You know, life is very unfair. We've learned that early in life. Life is very unfair, but God is fair. And so God has been with me ever since, 
and the love I have for God is stronger than I've ever had in my life. And so I want to encourage you, just hold your head up. If, you, if it's been recent, hold your head up. God's there to encourage you and to love you. And remember, he is your daddy God. And we as women are like little girls in his lap. He loves you regardless. That's absolutely beautiful and wonderful. I think that goes in with the next question that somebody wanted us to ask. Um, what is the secret sauce of keeping your marriage together? Um, what has been the secret sauce and has that changed or is it the same as it was from the beginning? Do you Pastor? want to go or do you want me to go? Um, you go first. Right. Well, I think um, respect and honor. Um, you know, I see some marriages where they're out in public and they'll put each other down. Well, that's something we never did do is put each other down in, in public. We don't even do that in private, putting each other down. We have discussions, but we don't put each other down and make them feel less than. I never want my husband to feel less than he is, less than a man of what he truly is. And so I've always honored him. I've always respected him. And if someone talks about him, I let them know right away, that's my husband you're talking about. And it's the man I live with, and that's the man that I love. So refrain from putting him down, and I just disengage from that person. Pastor Don, I think she's a keeper. What do you think? <laughs> well, I, I decided that day one. Uh, I decided Same that. Same question for you. Well, you know, that's a, um, a very good question. First of all, my love for her is so deep, uh, I can't even explain to you or anybody else. From the very instant I saw her, there was an attraction beyond her beauty. Um, she's always been a beautiful person outwardly, but she's more beautiful inside. And she, she has loved me as greatly or as strong as I've loved her. I felt that. I, I know that. So for me, the, 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 the probably to say what has been the ingredient is my love for her and not having to be right all the time when I want to be and when I know I am. <laughs> uh, sometimes it's best if it's not important to let it slide. And, and again, as she goes back, I thank my respect for her. And when we talk about respect, you know, there's respect in a lot of different ways. Absolutely. Um, you know, just, just like for Sharon, when she gets up in the morning, you know, again, and I'm not telling anybody else to do this. You're asking a question. When we get up in the morning, it's not long. Uh, well, first of all, when we get up in the morning now that we I don't travel as much, we, we have our devotions together. She gets up, or I do, whichever one gets up first and makes coffee, and then we bring it to the bed. We get our Bibles out. She reads and I reads, and she starts interrupting me and starts talking about <laughs> what she's learning, and I'm trying to I'm trying to think about anyway. It, it's good. Absolutely, absolutely. And and then we pray together, and all of this 
and then she showers and gets herself ready. And she's done that from day one. She's taken showers from day one. <laughs> from day one, you Folks, know. The, what keeps the marriage together is a daily shower. <laughs> that's, that's a good help. That's a big help. That is big help. Yeah, God but, and a shower. But she would put, you know, her, her face on, and she wouldn't wear pajamas and an ugly house coat all day long, you know. Uh, she would get dressed, and so that inspired me. Uh, that inspired me, you know, to get up and get myself ready. Sure. And so I respect our love, our communication, and not letting things linger. And we're, we don't argue sometimes, you know. Uh, sometimes we disagree, but we don't argue. And, and the fact is I respect her and love her so much I never want to put her down in any way whatsoever. I always want to have her to be the best, give her the best. And we're grateful from where we started, yes, David, very. of not having anything to sure. where we are today to have a beautiful home. Sure. Those that are watching, you may think that this couple, there's no way that couples are this way. This is them. The time I've known them and I've, I knew of them and just in passing some years ago, but truly this is the glue that holds us together. Pastor Sharon, do you have anything else to say regarding this? Well, it's just, um, you know, I think one of the greatest compliments that we ever got was uh, from one of our grandchildren. They were in the car and we were just talking back and forth and he said, I didn't know this is the way it was supposed to be because we weren't yelling at each other. We weren't arguing. And to me, that is one of the greatest compliments that a grandchild can give you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, David, something happened a couple of weeks ago. We had a friend in town visiting with us, and David was, my son David, happened to be at the table with us um, and um, eating with us. And uh, the, the, our guest said to David, David, what's the greatest yeah. thing? that you've learned from your family. And I'm sitting there wondering. Yeah. Yeah. We're just wondering. Absolutely. Because <laughs> there was a little pause. Yeah. Now he had to come up with the right answer. Yeah, he said, that's a good question. And I'm thinking, well, okay, well, what's the answer, you know? And, and he had one word, and that was integrity. And um, we have that at home. And so I know a lot of marriages and people don't have what we have, but I, you know, in times when she's gone through things, I've tried to give her the space, and uh, I realize sometimes we've grown differently at different times, and if I've grown more, I want to not try to bring her up to, to my poor I've grown to, but help her. There's been times that she's grown, and I didn't grow in that area, and we help each other, and I want to say this too is she compliments me all the time. You know, I, first of all, I, I, that's one thing I do. I tell her almost every day how beautiful she is, what a good mother she is, what a good wife she is, and I'm always complimenting her. Not, It's not false. It's always... It's not flattery. You no, know, it's something she yeah. does. And then, you know, many times <clears throat> after a service, I, I really don't need a compliment from anybody to say, hey, you did a good job. I mean, it helps. I mean, because I, I know, I know when it's good, just like when you sure. leave worship. You sure. know when the Holy Ghost has come in and sure. and it is, he's put his sanction on what you're doing. And you, you know, you, you, you just sense it. Well, uh, there's times that 
you know, she says to me a lot of times, well, I, I thought the message was really good today. Well, you know, I just... <laughs> <clears throat> Absolutely. I don't care if anybody else said anything. <laughs> if she said it was good, then sure. then I straighten up. And, and, and uh, I think that's been one of the issues. And, and especially after hearing him for 60 years. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I just think of all the messages that I've heard. Absolutely. I can still compliment him. That is absolutely wonderful. Well, and she has to hear the stories over and over again. <laughs> she knows the punchlines of all of your jokes, apparently. Now, I'm going to ask, uh, on this next question, it happens with every marriage, happens in any relationship. Uh, I've heard that this happens. This this is can be a foundation of incredible things, or it can be a destruction uh, in any home, and that's finances. So my question, and I'll start with Pastor Sharon, since she worked in a bank, you know, early on, and, and she knows a lot of stuff about finances, obviously. How do you all handle your finances? I, I mean, it's a way that you can that you can share. I'm not asking for you to open up your checkbook sure. for us to look at it, but how that you handle the finances, and then what as far as charge cards, just a lot of because there's marriages, and I've I've talked with people that that is, I mean, they're ready to call it quits, or it's just crazy because this is a topic that is. It is just beyond repair in a lot of marriages. And uh, is there any advice that you could give in the way that you guys handle that? Well, we just, um, I don't know how we got started, but uh, I handle the checkbook um, to uh, when we pay bills, put in, I make sure the deposits are put in there. Could I, could I interrupt something Absolutely. here? Absolutely. What's mine is hers, what's hers is hers. <laughs> Well, everyone knows that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm just kidding. And, and I'd like to say, no. you ain't got nothing. It's all hers, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, you have to kidding. Well, we just started early on with me handling the checkbook, and it's not that, you know, he sees everything we have. Sure. And now that everything's online, he goes in and see what I'm spending. Not really. Uh, but, you know, he goes online. And then with the charge cards, um, what we've always done is... If we can afford to pay it off in 30 days, don't charge. Mm -hmm. And so we came up with that a long time ago. And early on, we would charge things when we didn't have the money. But uh, as we uh, matured in our marriage and everything, if you can't pay it off in 30 days, then you don't need to be charging it. That's good advice. And because that's how debt happens. Mm -hmm. uh, you start accumulating and then you'll say, well, maybe I can pay it off next month. But then in that month, you start charging more. And then before long, you're over your head in debt. And so we've always made the commitment to not be in debt um, by paying off our credit cards. And then we discuss things. Uh, tithing has never, ever been an issue with us. That comes off first in our finances and we've never disagreed ever in uh, how much we give to God because we know once we sow we get it back and that's God's money and so that has never been a temptation to us to not sow but in our finances our bills we make sure our bills are always paid and we try to convey that to our children uh, of having good credit good credit is so important and we've uh, maintained good credit, and our children today have appreciated their good credit. 
uh, we're taught early on to have good credit. That's excellent. Pastor, do you have anything? Well, mainly that everything she said is true. I trust her with the finances. Uh, she's not one to uh, abuse what we have. And as she says, she knows what we have. Mm -hmm. And she has the checkbook. I very rarely write one or use my debit card. Uh, for the simple reason that she just handles it. And, and if I'm out and I need something or want something, as, as she said, if I want a, a piece of clothing, a suit or something, normally I don't go buy it or anything without talking to her first because, um, you know, it's just something that's, now, now she goes and buys dresses and doesn't ask me. Um, and you appreciate the way she dresses, so well, I think that's a plus. And I, and I never say anything except, where'd you get that? And she's always got this little thing. Well, I've had it. Uh, yeah, know. it was in the back of my closet. I've yeah. had it for a few hours. Yeah, yeah there you go. She don't finish the sentence. You only do partial statements yes. to live 60 years but together. But she doesn't, she doesn't abuse it. And again, what you said, I want her to look nice and I, because her mother always gave mm -hmm. her the best. And so I wasn't able to do that for a long time. And now that I am, uh, I'm grateful she dressed our, as we got older, she dressed our children wonderfully and took care of them. I want to go back, though, and say something about what she did years ago when I used to travel so much, and I was gone most of the time, and I sometimes I'd only be home, you know, two days, sometimes three days, sometimes maybe just uh, uh, 48 hours. But she had this uh, formula that she came up with, and she, you know, she had to discipline the kids when I was gone, she had to cook for them, get them up, take them to, to get them to school. And so here I was traveling all over the world, and she's home with four kids. Uh, started out with three, she was staying home with, and then four. And, um, but she had this uh, that she came up with. She said, when you come home, uh, and sometimes I'd get home middle of the night, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to have my own airplane and where we lived, we lived out of the city. I, I'd take the airplane and I'd come down and I'd zoom over the house and she'd hear the engines yeah. and so she'd get in the car and uh, come to the airport, pick me up. But her, her, what she really came up with, which I thought was a, a, a great master plan, you're home for 24 hours, I'm not going to tell you which child has been bad or which one needs corrected. You're going that's, to be a father for 24 years of wonderful. love and giving your love and embracing them. And, and it's not going to interfere with us because uh, I want us to enjoy our company for 24 hours. I want you to enjoy the kids for 24 hours. And then after this, I'll hand you the problem. And David, what that did for me, I, whether it's right or whether it was wrong, but that my respect level for her went up. So when I came home, it was a it was a reunion for me to come home every time because I knew I was coming into a loving environment. And I know again, I I, I think our marriage was unusual. God's hand was mm -hmm. upon us from Absolutely. day one, yeah. and I'm giving God as much glory for this as much as and the we had that, no model. 
to follow. No. Because that's not how you knew as a probably family, or you either, Pastor. No. That wasn't the model that you followed. No, I had a wonderful mother and dad. And me as well, but we didn't model after them. The way that you raised your family. No. Now, my question is, for the kid that did something wrong, did they enjoy that first 24 hours? Oh, they loved or they, it. Did they? <laughs> they loved it. They were it. hoping they could just maybe. They thought, well, maybe, maybe they'll, they'll forget. forget. There you go. You've got great kids, so I, I believe that's fine. Well, no doubt, Pastor Don Clowers and Pastor Sharon Clowers are examples for many, many to follow. If you're just now tuning in or watching this, this is we're celebrating their 60 years of married bliss. And I think it is bliss listening to it. I can't even imagine. 60 years. Some people at has, haven't even lived that long, or they've been married 10 years, and they feel they need a Purple Heart Award, you know, and, <laughs> and that's okay. Every situation is different, but what I'm picking up from both of you, you put God first in everything, your finances, your children, your marriage, your devotional time. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's at the top of every single thing, and yeah. it's not just because you're preachers. No. It's, it's because that's your belief system. We're, we're people first. We're just ordinary people and before did, we're ministers. Did that come because of the way you were raised or just when the whole thing about iron sharpens iron, once you got together, it was, we're going to do it yeah. this way. Well, I think part of it for me was my mother's influence on me. You know, my dad had a lot of influence, but my mother was the, the strongest Christian in her home. And my mother and dad was always a tither and a giver. And so I think that part of our marriage, mm -hmm. and she was okay with doing that. I, so I think the finance part, uh, she learned, it, but as she said, no model. I think her words were just right on because we didn't have a model. I didn't want to. I, I didn't want to uh, echo my parents. Neither did she want to echo her parents, which were both good. But my dad had a real strong temper for a long time, and so, uh, and I had a little of that too. And as I said, I had to learn to sure. respect her when I didn't get my way. And it's still the same. There's times that she wants to do something different. And even at Christmas, you know, uh, I, I don't know if he's going to get to that or not. But uh, at Christmas, I used to buy her gifts all the time. And she'd buy me gifts. But she never liked the gift I got her. And, and I did a lot of I did a <laughs> and, lot. And of that work. takes you by surprise. Why? <laughs> well, I don't know. Well, you know what? I bought her, I think, what I wanted her to have instead of what she wanted to have. And that's not the way to buy a gift for no. people. And when you buy a gift for someone, so finally I just said, hey, you know what? You're going to take it back anyway. <laughs> nice. So, and it may be on sale. Uh, that's right. Maybe not when you buy it, but one day it will be, right? Well, except what she would always yeah, tell me. She said, well, I can take this back and they're on sale now and I'll get what I want, you know. And so anyway, that's what happened. We just decided at Christmas time and anniversaries, um, yeah, at Christmas time and anniversaries, we celebrate with the kids and uh, with, with the grandchildren and great-grandchildren now, but... I don't buy her a gift, and she doesn't buy me. I mean, we may do something, but most of the time... Most of the time, we don't. We just we just celebrate each other. That was the and words that's coming out of my mouth. You celebrate each celebrate other year-round. celebrate each round. other all, all the time. And it's, it's a joy just to see our kids and our grandkids open their gifts and see the excitement Absolutely. on their face. 
So respect, obviously, with each other. There's, um, I know it's in wedding vows a lot, but to honor and obey. And I have performed wedding ceremonies where they've asked me to take the word obey out because they want to, you know, determining what the situation is. So how do you perceive that statement, to trust, honor, respect, obey? Well, I think obey is a, a word that a lot of people have a problem with. Yes. Uh, but obey, to me, in a marriage is just coming to an agreement. I love that. It's not saying do this or do that, but it's coming to an agreement and both of you agreeing rather than saying you have to obey me. Well, if 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 he tells me something and I don't think it's right at the time, well, you need to, why is it not right? You know, you need to discuss it. But it's not that he lords it over me that he's the head of the house, you have to obey me. But we discuss things. And I don't get, like he said earlier, I don't get my way all the time and he doesn't get his way all the time. And so obey to me is coming to an agreement in marriage. That is a great way to put that. Is that the way that you perceive it? Yes. Or is this woman someone you've never met before? <laughs> He's like, I think I like now, this David? woman. <laughs> hey, I'm on this side of the table. I'm, I'm all good. I'm all good. Well, I think you used a word that that probably helps that a lot, and that's trust. And I've always trusted her. You know, uh, it never bothers me if she's engaged in a never anybody any gentleman that she's engaged in conversation with or neither do i feel like what we all talking about mm -hmm. my trust has been totally 100 percent that that she is faithful she's loyal and you know you make a commitment to all you'll be faithful to her will you honor her will you trust her will you love her and i've never been jealous and and I, I, I don't perceive that from her. There's never been jealous. And I've had no reason to be jealous. And David, the trust mm -hmm. uh, that I have for her with the money, with how she treats the children, the grandchildren, the great-grandchildren now, there's a trust there. And so I'd say when it comes to obey, I'm probably the one now that obeys more than, <laughs> than uh, anybody. So what I'm picking up on is she has trained you well. She trained me well. That's uh, Yeah, she really has. She's trained me well. And, and uh, as I said, around the house, I, I do help when she lets me, but she won't let me help cook. Uh, oh, well, have you had her food? It's awesome. It's the best. <laughs> Seriously, folks, she need to be a caterer. Come to church, you know, and ask her to give you something out of her purse. Um, I'm going to make a few statements, and then I'd like for both of you to give me your opinion on those statements. Okay. All right? First one, disciplining your children, Pastor Sharon. Well, uh, I disciplined a lot, uh, you know, especially when in our early years, he was gone a lot, so... I was the disciplinarian. But one thing about it, if I disciplined and he didn't agree, he never let the kids know that he agreed with me disciplining him. And vice versa, if he disciplined them, I never let them know that I didn't agree, that he you know, was disciplining sure. them for something. So uh, we did spare the rod with our children. You did not spare the rod? I did not spare the rod. Now, was your rod a, a switch, a belt? 
it, it was a, a belt or a wooden spoon. A wooden spoon. I loved it when I went off to college and took uh, child psychology. I found so many things that were under the uh, category of abuse. I mean, I've made a copy of it and sent it straight to my parents, you know. But uh, my dad used a razor strap on us because he did barbering at the beginning okay. of their ministry. Those things, you know, there's some damage. They, they, they yeah. can hurt. Uh, you know, it, my dad used to say it puts a hurt in the region of your back pocket. So that was true. Uh, Pastor Don, how about your thoughts on that? Well, she was probably a better than me because uh, when I did, I did a lot of it out of emotion, with emotion. And as I watched the kids grow older, I had to learn not to discipline my children when I was angry because you could actually really hurt them because sure. uh, she said we didn't spare the rod. And, of course, you know, she had whatever was in her hand. <laughs> Child abuse and wooden spoon. Uh, uh, and that wooden spoon was probably a, a favorite of hers. Well, the thing of it is when he talked about not being angry when you're disciplining the children, you can hurt them. Sure. And when I would discipline the children, I wasn't angry. I was uh, upset with them, but I wasn't angry. I could, like he tells a lot of people, he said, well, she could spank our children, sit down, have a cup of tea, and just be so relaxed. Because <laughs> you knew you were doing the right I thing. I was doing the right thing. On. They disobeyed, so they had to be. And pressured. even with me, when we've had disagreements, you know, I, I'm, I'm still over He's there. Still spewing. brewing a little. I'm brewing over that this, you know, and she's over there just with a cup of tea, just enjoying, going on like nothing was ever said. And that's why she was with the kids. But again with the kids you know I wanted to think about it a little bit and then sometimes I thought well maybe I was a little too harsh but with that but you know they all turned out really well mm -hmm. we're really proud of all three of our children Absolutely. the one that's in heaven obviously but with uh, our daughter Tammy our son Tim and David we're so pleased with them and they're honorable they're tithers they're givers they they always show respect for people everywhere they go and so we're really blessed with our three yeah. children it's wonderful you know my brother one time was asked how is it that you all come from a pastor's home and all three of you are in ministry and he said because my parents never brought the church problems into our home we did not talk about that yeah. so i i feel that probably was how yeah. you guys raised your children it wasn't they weren't in the crop sessions no. or the frustration no no we always wanted them to be regular children that had a regular life now people in church did not allow that right. you know they they always would say we're going to tell your mother and dad on you you know most of the time they didn't sometimes they did mm -hmm. but again uh we tried to just be mother and dad at home. We weren't pastor or That's evangelist. Wonderful. We yes. were mom and dad. And they knew that. Yes, they did. Now, they did hear me pray a lot. You know, I'm yeah. not bragging on that. I oh, mean, we did pray out loud for what they well, did? Uh, no, well, I'd go, in, I'd go in my prayer closet, but I wasn't quite when I prayed. And... No doubt, no doubt. All right, here's, a, here's another question. I'm going to name the question, and then you all just respond. I will start again with Pastor Sharon. Love when you don't feel like it. Well, that's that's a biggie. Sometimes, uh, even with our children or with each other, we may get upset for, for a while, but we love anyway. And it's like, he's loved me when I've been unlovable. And so that's true with him, 
it's vice versa. So even though we have our moments, you still love. And I've never fallen out of love with my husband, ever. Pastor? Well, you know, um, I, I would have to say that, well, give me the question one more time. Love when you don't feel like it. I know this is going to be unusual, but she makes it so easy for me to love. And there's times, you know, that she's made decisions and done things that I didn't approve of, but I think it's more her loving me because I was gone so long. And if you were to ask me if I have any regrets, I have a lot of regrets. I don't live in them, but my biggest regret was not being there for her and the kids, and she had to do a lot of it. But one of the things that, um, because when we first got married, I was so insecure, but one of the things that did come out of that, it made me very independent. Absolutely. That, uh, you know, when we first got married, I thought, well, you know, only his prayers work, everything had to come through him. But then being alone, I realized I have to make decisions for myself. Mm -hmm. And so it made me very independent, which I still am to a fault today. Oh, well, sure that is, that is uh, David's telling us to wrap this thing up. So anyway, uh, one of the things that I really feel like it really helped David was she learned how to be a single person, and I learned how to be a single person. And I'll say this. We didn't know that when we got married. Yeah. I mean, we were both single, obviously, but hadn't lived long enough to learn how to be single. And now today, even though we're as close as we are, she is single. I'm single. I, I think singly. So does she. She's a strong-willed person, very strong-willed. And uh, many times I let her be right so that it's just, <laughs> you know. Let's go to this next question so we can wrap this up. Marriage is 50-50, Pastor Sharon. Well, it's not 50-50 because I can't just give half of myself to him. I have to give 100% of myself to him to make the marriage complete. And to truly love him, I have to give my whole being, not just half of me. Pastor? I, I would agree that it, it's, you know, some people say, well, my, my mate um, completes me. That's not true. A mate compliments, compliments the other. That's good. So you can't say, you know, you can't say she she's my completeness no she's my compliment i hope to be i want to be her compliment so to me it's 100 percent of me trying to please her and and that's that's how i live david from day to day is i want to please her no matter what it doesn't mean that I, i'm a yes person to everything she says i don't mean that but it's 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 given myself to be there for her to strengthen her to comfort her to help her sure. to be with her and uh even when she was going through the years the first years raising our children and being insecure i i never felt anything different but you know on her own 
boy, I mean, she came out of that insecurity, and, and when she did, I thought, ooh, wow, who am I married to now, you know, but it was a blessing. Absolutely, becoming who God so had. So it's 100%, 100%, it's not 50-50. I'm going to ask this final question. The answer is one sentence, all right? Okay. This will go to Pastor Sharon. What would you tell your 17-year-old engaged self? Run. <laughs> okay, we're going to wrap the show up now. Be blessed. No, uh, I would say um, to my 17-year-old person, there's going to be a lot of bumps in the road ahead. Uh, don't put high expectations on yourself or your spouse, but just roll with it. Pastor, in one sentence, what would you tell your 19 barely 19-year-old engaged self? Make sure you know what you're doing. So you knew everything you were doing? No. <laughs> but that's what you would tell. Make sure you're sh that, that you you are in love, not, not emotionally attached. That's Make excellent. sure you're in love and that it's God's will is what I'd tell this 19-year-old now, I would say. And I did do that. I did do that, David, in wrapping this up, after we decided to get married, everything happened, and I realized this happened so fast, we better back off. So we didn't see each other for three days. We prayed, we fasted for three days, and didn't talk to each other on the phone, didn't see each other. And I prayed, and it was about 2 o'clock in the morning, and I felt a peace. I didn't say God told me, but I felt a peace, she felt a peace, and so uh, I did go back. And, and examine to make sure I was not making just an emotional choice. I hope you all have gotten something from Pastor Don Clowers and Pastor Sharon Clowers about marriage. We all congratulate them on 60 years. If you know them personally, give them a call, text them, get on Facebook, Instagram, whatever. If you want to come to church Sunday, we welcome you. We're going to have a celebration. It's just going to be a wonderful day. Pastor, I turn it back over to you. It's been a pleasure talking to both of you. You know I love you both dearly. Both of you are an ex the exemplary couple of, I believe, uh, what walking out a marriage in faith and love is all about. Thank you. Well, thank you, Dave. Well, first of all, thank you, Sharon, for being here with me and being my wife and my, my um, compliment and everything you've been to me over these 60 years. It's just been, it's been a wonderful ride. It has. It's been a wonderful ride. It's not over. No. Uh, and David Carpenter, thank you for doing this today. We honor you. We admire you. We're glad to have you as a part of our team. It's my honor, Pastor. Um, we're just grateful that you're here. You, you add to our ministry a great compliment, and so thank you so much. You that are viewing, I know we've gone much over time, but a lot has happened in 60 years that we didn't even cover that we are mm -hmm. talking about, and I hope it's been a blessing, uh, uh, an encouragement, and help to you. And once again, what you say is what you get. God love you and have a wonderful evening.